what we need to do is figure out a better way of communicating, which sounds weird. We actually take a Hippocratic oath to say, what do you need? If we don't address what you need, that's called malpractice. And so we are very focused on what you need and figuring out what you need. We forget to ask what you want. Welcome to Digital Health Disruptors by Charm Health, powering innovative clinicians on the digital health frontier. On this podcast, we explore the trials and triumphs of pioneers at the intersection of technology and healthcare. I'm your host, Ranjani Rungan. That's today's guest, Dr. Joshua Tamayo Sarver, the Vice President of Innovation at Inflect Health and Vituity, a 100% physician owned healthcare organization. His goal? To simplify medicine by just listening. Through strategic health tech partnerships, investments, and internal incubation, he's shaping the future of healthcare. Not just an executive, but an active emergency physician, he spearheads product development, testing, deployment, go-to-market strategy, and scaling of multiple tech solutions in healthcare. Today, chatting with Dr. Joshua Tamayo Sarver, we'll discuss Vituity and its innovation wing in Flect Health. They're all about prioritizing the human side of healthcare, making sure it's not just about innovation, but about reducing burnout and making a real impact on patients' lives. So entrepreneurs, listen up. Take a cue from Vituity's playbook. It's a journey of spotting big problems in the healthcare landscape, tackling annoyances, leveling up our listening and communication skills, and crafting spaces where feedback flows freely. So grab those headphones, and let's cruise through the intersection of healthcare and innovation. Welcome to Digital Health Disruptors, Dr. Tamayo Sarver. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really eager to uncover the narrative behind your organization's evolution. Like, what is the backstory of Vituity and the innovative trajectory of Inflect Health? So, Vituity started, you know, in 1975. And at the time, it was emergency medicine where you had a group of physicians staffing an ER. And emergency medicine was a very young specialty then, right? So it didn't have the status or clout or, or respect. And at that time, they said, you know, we want to make something that can last forever and isn't just about one person making money, but is actually about the joy of medicine. Everyone's going to be an equal owner. Everybody gets a vote. We're going to have this kind of very egalitarian sort of partnership structure. And that's what they created. And then over time, that egalitarian partnership structure grew from one group of docs at a department to we now staff over 450 hospitals. We're in most states and we cross most every specialty at this point. Now, 50 years later, Vituity's nearly 5,000 clinicians working across nine acute care specialties for more than 7 million patients each year. You also asked, how does that translate into Inflect Health or innovation? So we recognized that we really did not like the health technology that we were being forced to use, and it was creating more burnout and making our lives worse instead of better. So I spent about 10 years creating data solutions and creating engineering resources and new software and technologies to try and make things better. And then we pivoted from that and said, okay, now that we have all this experience in creating and deploying new technologies and software, 
why don't we partner with technology companies who are probably better at the engineering and the tech than we are and bring our clinical insight and our insight into the business of medicine, how things work and our moral, ethical and professional obligation to patients to bear and say, okay, how can we make a better innovation kind of incubator or accelerator? Mm -hmm. And so that's Inflect Health. Inflect Health, powered by Vituity, is a healthcare hub driving innovation and investments. Bringing together venture capitalists, providers, and experts, they empower providers to shape solutions through hands-on collaboration with tech companies via internal prototyping, advising, and consulting. They offer a practical healthcare perspective. What about Vituity? What sets it apart? So we have basically three things by which we create our strategy and assess our performance. And those things are, do we improve lives? Because our mission is to improve lives. The second is, do we help our people to do what they love to do? That's providers, that's practice management support, that's malpractice professionals, that's billing professionals and revenue collection professionals. And then the third is, are we ensuring that we are generating the resources needed to do those first two things? Are we fueling that mission? As an executive at Vituity, we are all compensated and graded and judged and reviewed based on, are we improving lives? Are we helping our people do what they love to do? And are we ensuring the resources for them to do it? And so it actually it makes it a very unique culture and environment, I think. I think what I see most intriguing about the format of these values that you just shared with me is that doctors frequently have burnout, they have compassion fatigue, they may not have autonomy, but this question format encourages them to reflect on their own values and encourages action as well. It just means that everyone deserves the opportunity to lead a fulfilling and meaningful life, not just the patients, but the doctors, including. Yeah. And we've really made those values that were at our core now explicit, and we've elevated that to being not just explicit values, but the values by which we judge ourselves and each other. I love that. What has it brought to healthcare delivery? First, it brings empowerment, right? So that as a doctor, I'm not just getting beat up all the time by another tech that's pushed on me, but I get to say, hey, this is the problem that I want solved. And with Inflect, we try and find a solution to that that works for us and for our patients. And I think that empowerment has been non-trivial. So we've done that mm -hmm. in the realm of data and analytics and self-serve analytics and metrics and patient engagement and being able to call our patients back because it also brings back that fuel to support the mission because sometimes when you take care of patients, you actually aren't making money doing it. And by investing in the technology, that profit that we get from engaging in that supports the partnership and our mission of improving the lives. So it subsidizes our patient care. You have a dynamic group of like several frontline workers, and these are the frustrations that they share. And Inflect Health comes around and they say, well, here we have a playground to figure out solutions. Do you then bring it back to the doctors and have them give feedback? Absolutely. So <laughs> let's say that you're an amazing tech company and you partner with astounding academic medical center. And so you get their ICU critical care department to tell you how, how it should be. And then you develop it and you find out that you have just solved the problems of that one 
academic medical center's critical care department, and no one else actually functions that way. One of our huge advantages, and maybe our biggest advantage, is, is when you come to us, or if we do it internally, we say, okay, before we even build anything, let's talk to our 30 different ICUs that are in big hospitals, small hospitals, academic hospitals, urban hospitals, rural hospitals, West Coast, East Coast, in the South, in the North, all over. Let's see how much of this is generalizable and what is idiosyncratic and unique to each of them. And now what can we build that will meet everybody's needs? And then I say, okay, I've talked to everybody in the world and I know exactly what the problem is and I know exactly the solution they want. And we, we say to the technology, okay, this is the, the easiest wireframe that we can take. And then we take it back to that group or to a different group of intensivists and say, okay, does this work for you? And that iterative process allows us to create something that doesn't just meet one individual's perspective or some small group of hospitals perspective, but something that's actually broadly applicable on the market. Actually, you mentioned to me that Inflect Health brings structure and discipline around innovation, but it seems to me that it's structure and discipline around the collaboration as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Over time, healthcare has faced complexity, sometimes losing focus on what really matters for patients and providers. I think that's one of the things that makes healthcare very tricky. And I think mm-hmm. I've seen a fair number of very smart, well-intentioned technology companies and people fail because they didn't think about it. Dr. Tamayo Sarver provides an example in our next segment, an emergency department avoidance program. Right, to avoid emergency department use. Let's mm-hmm. say you're having chest pain. You're like, I think I should go to the emergency department. You now have this tool and you can use this tool to do a virtual visit instead. Okay. And so I'm creating this tool and I want to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I go to your to the payer. You have Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle Insurance, right? And they are your insurer. And I say, hey, if you get your members to use this instead of go to the ED, you're going to save $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. And you as a payer say, well, yeah, sign me up for that. And Mm -hmm. so now you sign up for that. But now that is aligned with the shareholders incentive. The ED is perfectly convenient for me. Mm -hmm. I don't actually care about saving my insurance company money. That's why I pay for insurance. While the shareholders celebrate, it's up to you, the patient, to welcome this new tool. But why would a patient paying $2,000 a month for insurance embrace something that only benefits the insurance company financially? The key is whether it holds real value for the patient. So if you wanted that product to work, you would have to figure out how do we make sure that by using the tool, you get benefit and you would pay to use the tool, even if you don't have to pay. How would the stakeholder, your spouse say, yes, I'm so glad you have that tool to use. The problem is, is many of our, you know, EHRs, electronic health records, they neglected, especially at the beginning, neglected the users. They didn't think about what does the user need because the user wasn't making the purchase decisions. The administration was making the purchase decisions. Attention, clinician entrepreneurs and technologists. Are you ready to revolutionize healthcare at the point of care? Discover the Charm Health Platform, a perfect ecosystem where technologists and clinician entrepreneurs connect, ideate, and thrive. To find out more about what we do, visit us at charmhealthchallenge.com. So, what do you think these, uh, 
tech developers can find that sweet spot where their solutions benefit both the stakeholders and the busy healthcare professionals without adding extra stress on an already demanding job and satisfying the patient as well. I think that there's a lot of potential to do that, and it's not hard to find. I often find if you ask someone what their problems are, we all like to talk about problems, but it's hard for me to know what the solution is. I think once we get to what is the frustration and we really dig deep into what someone's frustrations are, then we get a much better understanding of what problem we're really solving. What are we helping them accomplish? And when you're helping someone accomplish something, I find it's a lot easier to figure out how that benefits an entire ecosystem. Dr. Tamaya Server points out a fundamental misunderstanding. He believes we need a thoughtful but crucial shift urging a redefinition of the patient-provider relationship to make healthcare more focused on the consumer. This approach not only distinguishes healthcare ventures, but also helps them secure investments. In healthcare, when you come in to see your doctor, your doctor is sitting there going, what does Ranjani need? What do you need? Do you need medicine for hypertension? Let me see if you have high blood pressure. Do you need medicine for diabetes? Do you need me to counsel you on depression? What do you need? And as a healthcare enterprise, we are very focused and we actually take a Hippocratic oath to say, what do you need? If we don't address what you need, that's called malpractice. And so we are very focused on what you need and figuring out what you need. We forget to ask what you want. We don't really care what you want because we're so focused on what you need, which is medically appropriate. So how do we do this? And then that gets to the second component of it, which is because you want something, right? So when consumer tech comes into healthcare, there's this assumption that because the patient wants it, they need it and they should get it, Mm -hmm. which is how all consumerism works. So how can a healthcare startup navigate what the patient wants against the moral, ethical, and legal obligations the physician has over your care? Turns out, there are a few examples of how this delicate balance has been successful in the past. One that I happen to like because it addresses that virtual care Mm -hmm. fragmentation issue is a startup called Decoded Health. Decoded Health, backed by Inflect Health, is a startup on a mission to boost healthcare efficiency and effectiveness. Developed by SRI International, the brains behind Apple Siri, Decoded Health blends machine learning with human-centric processes. This combination enables doctors to handle more patients while nurturing stronger connections with them. The platform stands out from typical telehealth services by using conversational AI to interview patients, suggest care plans to physicians, obtain approval, and deliver necessary treatments, all seamlessly integrated with common electronic health records. Decoded Health addresses the challenge of scattered virtual care. Instead of a virtual appointment with a stranger, their software connects you with your regular doctor. So rather than chatting with a random person, your virtual care is seamlessly integrated with your personal physician. Now your doctor can work in their own EHR and their own workflow. Hmm. And the only thing that's different about a virtual patient is that it's a window that pops up within their EHR for the interaction and then instead of them taking a foot in the room. It's just integrated into their daily workflow. And if they happen to see you and say, you know what, I can't take care of this virtually, I need to get a urine test on you. Or I need to examine you because you're telling me you have abdominal pain or whatever it is. They can tell you just come into the office because they're there seeing patients already. When you come into the office, 
now your chart has already been started by them. They've already put the orders in, right? It's a seamless integration of care. So it's taking the convenience of virtual for the patient, which is what they want, with that continuity of care and the primacy of that primary care relationship, which is what you need. Mark Hansen, CEO of Decoded Health, in an October 2020 Vituity article, highlights the role of this collaboration. An early clinical insight for our team was that healthcare startups need a clinical partner to break through customer discovery and validation. This partnership allows our team to benefit from the expertise of thousands of Vituity providers with experience and relationships across hundreds of healthcare systems to quickly develop a unique offering and accelerate growth. So how do you strengthen collaborations between healthcare providers and technologists? Dr. Tamayo Sarver highlights a crucial issue that needs addressing. In our upcoming segment, we'll delve into the readily available solutions, the low-hanging fruit to tackle this challenge. Dr. Tamayo Sarver underscores that there are really smart and well-meaning tech folks who team up with healthcare providers. These folks have a strong sense of mission and purpose. But here's the thing. Their collaboration tends to churn out products that aren't very practical. Dr. Tamayo Sarver has an idea about why that happens. My assertion, my hypothesis for why that is, is that it's a language problem, which is the clinician articulates what they want and the features they need. And then for the engineer or the technologist, it turns into kind of feature requirements and what they believe is an MVP. And then they produce something and then it just, it kind of misses the mark and kind of goes off the rails and eventually money and time runs out and they move on to something else. And I think that's by far the, the rule rather than the exception. And so part of it is trying to figure out how do you bridge those languages to do this, Dr. Tamayo Sarver believes his varied background serves as a bridge, connecting different worlds that often speak different languages. He sheds light on his own multifaceted role, blending quantitative analytics and AI, engineering, clinical insights, and business acumen. He highlights the importance of addressing all these components in his work. I often say that, that my great value in this world is that I'm mediocre in four domains, right? Because most uses some quant AI sort of thing and it's engineering and it's clinical and it has to meet business. All four of those things I think are important components. I think what that enables me to do is it enables me to be able to hear the clinical frustrations and put those in language that resonates with the engineer in a way that then meets the clinical requirements. Um, or I, I know how the data structures work well enough to be able to to articulate the data or AI requirements in a way that resonates with the data scientist. You even see that communication problem between engineers and data scientists. Even within that, and you would say, oh, they're very similar languages and they're similar, but they're very different still. What we need to do is figure out a better way of communicating, which sounds weird. I actually think the problem is that we don't talk to each other well enough. And part of that problem is, I think, and this gets to a more fundamental issue we have, I think, as humans, is we want to be seen and understood. As a clinician, I think you actually, if you're talking to engineers, you need to learn how to speak as an engineer. Conversely, when the engineer is speaking back to the clinician, I think the engineer needs to learn how to speak as a clinician. 
As we move into our next segment, let's do a deep dive. Reflect and engage. In your startup journey, reflect on an instance where miscommunication or differing perspectives hindered progress. What strategies do you employ to bridge these gaps effectively, ensuring that both clinical needs and technological standards are met within your healthcare innovation? I was reflecting on a quote that I often use as where a picture speaks a thousand words. Do you think that augmented reality could uh, help in bridging that gap between the technologist and the clinician? Providing them, you know, maybe a visual of the surgical procedures or maybe the emotions that they're going through or the complexity of task switching. And do you think that could potentially bridge that gap? Maybe. I don't know that it couldn't. I think spending time with whoever you're talking to in their world is probably still the best way to do it because you have the advantage of feeling that individual that you're trying to communicate with, Mm -hmm. right? And if I see a video on what it's like to be an engineer, that's helpful, but it's probably easier for me to spend a day with you while you're doing your work and watch you and see how it goes and see what you do and see what the pressures are and see what your life is like. And I can probably then speak to you much better than I could from watching even an an augmented reality experience. Mm -hmm. Because not only am I am I learning about what a day in the life of an engineer is like? I'm learning about you. I think bridging that that communication problem is really the big issue we have between clinicians and technologists. And I think that's the value that clinicians have incredibly. But because I think we've not articulated that well, we've not participated or it's expensive, right? Like for me to take a day off working and watch you work. Right. That's expensive, mm-hmm. but it's actually a lot cheaper than no founding longer. a startup that fails, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's the best investment you can make. Mm-hmm. It's that George Bernard Shaw, which is the the single pro- biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place, <laughs> <laughs> right? But we didn't actually communicate. We thought we did. Next up in our segment, Dr. Tamayo Sarver serves exclusive insights on health tech startups, revealing his evaluation criteria and what Inflect Health looks for in portfolio partners. Discover the Charm Health platform, a perfect ecosystem where technologists and clinician entrepreneurs connect, ideate, and thrive. To find out more about what we do, visit us at charmhealthchallenge.com. Would you be able to describe some of your investment strategies when it comes to identifying and supporting healthcare startups? Uh, What criteria do you consider when deciding to invest? We are in the trenches of healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have so many thousands of physicians and PAs and we own our own scribe company and our own malpractice and our own billing and care navigation. And, you know, we're pretty deep and broad within the healthcare space. We believe that we, and I don't mean like I as an individual, but we as a as an organization with various individuals really understand the problems and the frustrations and the dynamics of what's going on and, and what the problems are and, and what needs to be solved and where there's potential and where there isn't. So our main thesis is that we can get into an investment earlier than others in the venture community because 
many wait for a market signal, which is generally revenue, hmm. that there's a good solution. Whereas we think that we can identify something that's going to be successful that's prior right. to that market signal. So mm-hmm. we're we're early in small investments mm-hmm. because of that. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second component is how open a team is to influence over their solution. You want someone who's wedded to the problem and agnostic to their solution. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to have to change, pivot. It's going to be different. It's untested. Mm-hmm. It hasn't hit reality. Mm-hmm. Nobody uses it. Right. Or maybe, you know, their definitional customer uses it or their uncle uses it. Mm-hmm. And they're telling you that this is perfect. Yeah. And you know they're wrong. Mm-hmm. So the question isn't, do they have the perfect solution? It's, have they identified a good problem and they're flexible enough that they're going to create the right solution as the world teaches them what that solution is. In addition, Inflect Health's primary focus centers on the magnitude of the problem itself. This approach allows them to invest in ventures targeting significant healthcare challenges rather than the particular solution proposed. Dr. Tamayo Sarver highlights the need for elevators as a perfect example of a significant enough problem from an innovation perspective. So if you think of elevators, when we started with elevators, they were dangerous mm-hmm. and they were hard to use. So you you paid someone to run the elevator for you because they were so complicated and people died. People died on elevators. They were super dangerous mm-hmm. and they went like three or four floors. Mm-hmm. In order to not walk three or four floors, people died. Mm-hmm. Right? That's crazy. Except it was such a big problem that if you don't have elevators, you can't practically have buildings that are more than three or four floors Mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. And so think of what our cities would look like without elevators Mm -hmm. when no building is more than four story. I wanted to ask if you could share an example of a healthcare startup investment that turned out to be a significant win for your organization and what contributed to its success. Oh, that's a good question. Relay Health is certainly one. Relay Health is a healthcare company that provides the infrastructure to design and deploy an EHR-integrated care navigation program as a service. That's a navigation company that we had started. So that was an internal prototype. So we had our frontline clinicians were really frustrated with patients in the emergency department who they were discharging and then came back because they really had nowhere to go that they could access. And so the emergency department is often the first choice in an emergency and the last resort otherwise, right? And so these were patients who kept coming back because it was kind of the last resort for them. It was a safety net. But it was in a community that actually had a reasonable safety net resource. This groundbreaking initiative used AI and cutting-edge data modeling to swiftly identify high-risk patients. They introduced a navigation program deploying human navigators to facilitate resource access, scheduling, and overcoming utilization barriers. This was a patient-centric model with tailored solutions according to individual preferences, making sure patients don't slip through the cracks. As this navigation program expanded, it merged with another tech entity, which ultimately birthed Rely Health. And so now we have this tech-enabled service called Rely Health that we own a part of and are an investor in because we created something and then merged together. That one's worked pretty well where we were able to identify the problem Mm -hmm. and then it was a big enough problem that it was worth creating a solution. And then once we were really good at the human way of solving that as a service, we could migrate that 
to be more and more technology lift and less human lift. It's still human involved, but much less than there was Jeez. so that it can scale much better. Seems to me you started off with the human side and then added the tech in, which is maybe the secret sauce to how this was successful. I think that's actually a big part of it. And the problem when you start with the tech side is you don't know what works and what doesn't yet. And tech is hard to change around. Humans are a lot easier to say, hey, let's try this differently. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm actually a big fan of the, the Wizard of Oz approach to a lot of things where you have a person do something. And then as you realize what works and what doesn't, you say, okay, what parts of these can we scale back? What can we make more efficient? What can we automate into tech? But until you actually have reality beat you up about what really does and doesn't work and what is and isn't important, then there's no sense in an automating failure. That's super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a way with your words. <laughs> <laughs> I've automated a lot of failure. <laughs> I'm good at it. It takes a lot of failure to know what success is. Right? <laughs> For some of us, I think some other people are faster learners, but that's different, different issue. Let's take a deep dive. When considering the evolution of elevators from dangerous and complicated machines to today's effortless solutions, think about the healthcare problems you're addressing. How important is the problem you're solving? And how flexible are you in adapting your solutions for better outcomes? In this uh, ever-evolving healthcare landscape, what are the emerging trends or areas you are currently excited about are focused on for potential investment opportunities? I think AI is a huge one with large language models. And I've written a lot about large language models and the problems that they have, but they also have incredible potential, especially in that human machine interaction realm. Mm -hmm. And so we're very excited about, about leveraging that. We're also very excited about the things that are understanding the patient's wants and addressing what a patient wants. And for us, because we're a physician organization, we try to try to say that we don't have a full consumer model where we only care about what a patient wants. We try to address what a patient wants and give them what they need in a way that meets what they want. There are technologies that are in that space and trying to do it. And internally, we're opening, we've got one and we've got more direct-to-consumer wellness centers that we're opening to see, <laughs> can, we, can we create these centers that really meet what you want and make, make you satisfied and align with your goals and what you're trying to accomplish, but are have careful medical oversight. So it's not just, you know, doing testosterone injections for everybody, but it's actually, it's what you need and aligns with your, your long, short-term and long-term health. I feel about technology the same way I feel about AI, right? Which is what's your technology strategy? The important part is you've identified an important problem to solve and an important market in which you're going to solve that problem. And then you're going to figure out a solution which may involve technology. It may involve AI. It may involve augmented reality. It may involve llamas. Who knows? That part, who cares? For us, we're much more <laughs> concerned about, is this a worthy problem? And finally, for my last question, our listeners are clinician entrepreneurs. For our aspiring clinician entrepreneurs looking to bridge that gap between brilliant ideas and successful healthcare solutions, what advice would you offer based on your experiences with Inflect Health? I think my first advice or my biggest advice to a physician entrepreneur 
is figure out what the frustration is that you're solving. And then when you solve that frustration, who benefits? And not like the world's a better place, but who really benefits? Who would pay for that benefit? Doesn't mean they have to pay, but it means they need to be willing to pay. And then the next step is to figure out what you know and be very honest in what you don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a solo entrepreneur that's successful. You always have a team. I always have a team. I've already told you I'm mediocre in many domains, right? I need people who are excellent in domains. I meet a lot of physician entrepreneurs who code, right? And they do some engineering. And if you have time to go to medical school and you have time to be a good doctor and you code and you think that because of that, you code better than someone who devotes their entire life and existence to being the best engineer they can, then you are delusional. There's a much better engineer out there than you are. Meet them. (laughs) Work with them. First is making sure you understand what the frustration is. Second is when you solve that frustration, who's really benefiting from solving that frustration, solving that problem? And often if it's just you, would you pay for it? And are there other people who wouldn't, right? Or don't want that to be solved? And then after the, that, the third one would be figure out who you need on your team or a team that you can join that's similarly minded. Great advice and so many good examples. Well, as we wrap up this insightful conversation, Dr. Tamayo Sarver, you have shared invaluable thoughts on healthcare innovation, investment, and the evolving landscape. I loved hearing about the collaboration between Vituity and Inflect Health, bringing structure to healthcare innovation, harnessing the brilliance of our frontline healthcare workers. And I personally am really impressed with your active support for startups and guidance. Really, it strengthens the innovation ecosystem. I would invite our listeners to connect with you on LinkedIn for more insights and collaboration opportunities as you are so accessible and ready to share your wisdom. Thank you so much, Dr. Tamayo Sarver, and uh, hope to connect up with you soon. Again, just like this on another wonderful topic. It's time for a deep dive. How do you navigate the discovery of a frustration in your target market that not only ignites your passion, but also attracts beneficiaries willing to invest in the solution? As we wrap up another enlightening episode of Digital Health Disruptors, we'd like to express our gratitude to Dr. Joshua Tamayo Sarver for sharing his invaluable insights and expertise. We hope you, our listeners, have gained fresh perspectives and inspiration from today's conversation. The world of digital health and innovation is a dynamic one, and we're here to guide you through it. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay connected with the latest in healthcare technology and entrepreneurship, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Your feedback fuels our mission to deliver top-notch content. Stay tuned for more exciting interviews with visionaries, innovators, and disruptors in the digital health space. We're dedicated to bring you the stories that redefine the future of healthcare. Until next time, keep innovating, stay fearless, continue to be part of the disruption that's shaping the future of healthcare. We'll see you next episode.